podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. But you beauty! What a headshot! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his mark. Hello and welcome to this, your Champions League preview podcast here on Anfield Index. I am your host, Andy Wales, and as the Reds suffered heartbreak in the new Camp or the Camp Nou in, um, in Barcelona, going down 3-0 in the first leg of the, semi, uh, the Champions League semi-final. I am joined by, once again, I'm joined by Guy Drinkle and Sam Evans to look ahead to the second leg. Um, unenviable t- an unenviable task, <laughs> it should be said, uh, to uh, just, just how can the Reds come back from this if they can at all so uh i'll bring the guys in a uh, guy it's uh, me and you as always um we've had so many positive things to talk about uh this season but this is certainly one of the this certainly feels like the the biggest negative so far yeah i mean we've had uh, stupid little draws here and there in the season which i mean the christmas period wasn't the greatest with uh, the food poisoning and stuff like that but the this match on its own you'd you just feel so deflated because, I mean, our run in the Champions League, I mean, ignore the final if you can do that. But outside of the final where obviously weird stuff happened, we're not going to get into that now, but we've been so magnificent in the Champions League. I mean, the group stages, we had a couple of problems away from home, but in the big games, we've always seen to step up. And last night, we, we didn't exactly play badly, but we just... We just uh, I think we just met a different calibre of opponent to what we've faced so far um, under under Klopp in the Champions League and a player who is just, well, is he human? Nobody bloody knows, do they really? No, well, <coughs> no, Trev Downey called him the PlayStation player exactly. and I think that's very, very apt. Um, Sam, uh, we when we previewed this first leg, we said you know we, we could hurt them, we could do them damage, uh, but obviously they have a great record at home and they're a hell of a team. And and I don't think we were too far away really. You know they they are excellent, they are brilliant at home, but we did hurt them and we did do them damage, but we just couldn't quite finish it off. Yeah, I think guys right there. We we were coming into this game. You know, we started the Champions League campaign away from home absolutely abysmally. And, you know, it was following on from that Roma, Roma game last season as well, where we thinking there's a bit of a trend starting to be set here where we play really badly in the away legs. But I thought then, after the previous two knockout games, uh, Porto and Bayern, that we actually were starting to address that problem. And then this happened. But, uh, you know, we, we did say at the time, it's a, if the game's 50-50 and you got Lionel Messi on the pitch, you could end up on the tail end of something like this. And, you know, it, 
it, it was absolutely heartbreaking at the end to come away 3-0 in that game, you know, because you, you do feel, as you said, that we did compete on the day, but uh, it's, it's just the kind of sucker punch you can get when you've got the quality of players on the pitch that they had on the day, and unfortunately our players just couldn't finish. Yeah, I mean, Klopp's actually um, described it as the, the team's best away performance in Europe under him. I, I would disagree with that because I, I thought the performance away at Bayern was was um, notably better than this. I, it was still a good performance. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll, we might as well get into it, look back on, on the first leg and, you know, what went wrong, what went right, and how that's going to play into the second leg. Um, but I, I, my feeling was at the time, Sam, that we started both the halves well. We were well for 20 minutes and then something changed and we didn't seem to react to that change uh, as well as the fact that obviously we weren't just we weren't cl- uh, clinical enough in front of goal. But for me, you know, the, the real turning point seemed to be in the first half was that Naby Keita injury. Um, and it's a real shame, he, you know, he's... He's playing well. That you know, he was even described in the in the echo as you know, would Klopp be willing to take the risk on on Naby Keita? And it certainly wasn't a risk. He he'd been playing so well recently, and and he was he was excellent, and he was a real really was a part of that opening twenty minutes where we looked right on top of them. Definitely, um, you know, Naby Keita is no longer a risk. You know, that obviously at the start of the season there were some reservation reservations about him settling in, you know, to the the new way of playing, a new country, you know, people do forget that sometimes that you're actually moving your life there. So, you know, these are young guys, some people take a bit more time to settle in. But there's no doubt about it, over the last month or two, Naby Keita has has more than settled into this Liverpool side and has proved himself to be a really, really good player. So, you know, to say that about him in this game is, is a tad disrespectful, to be honest. So, I, I wasn't personally... that I didn't expect him to start, because I thought he might be more of a, a someone for the last 20 minutes in the game. But when I saw him starting, I was by no means disappointed or, or worried about him. And I thought he actually started the game really, really well, Naby. Um, I thought he was... He was looking dangerous. He, he was making the runs and trying passes, just doing all the things that you know he can do so well um, that, that a lot of our midfielders can't do. So, you know, as you rightly said, that was an absolute hammer blow to us. You know, we were already missing Firmino from the starting lineup, who we all know is, is absolutely key to the way this Liverpool 11 works, let alone just the front three. So that was bad enough that we had to, you know, chew horn. Wijnaldum into that uh, but then also to lose Naby Keita after 20 minutes was just an absolute killer blow and I think it was clear to see that that really did kind of stunt down momentum at that point in the game Yeah and Guy something else that we alluded to in the preview on for the first leg was um, not only well there was the Gomez or Trent at right back and whether or not we would go with this um, this diamond shape this diamond formation in, in midfield that we'd seen um, in patches against Cardiff. So it looked like we'd started with the diamond and we did get Gomez at right back. So what, what were your thoughts on those two? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll start with, I'll start with Gomez at right back. I think you can understand why he'd play there if he was fit and firing. I mean, I'm sure he is fit, but 
I, I don't. I think that was his first start since coming back. I might be wrong with that. I, I think he started for the under twenty threes, but I don't really count. Um, it's a very, it's a very tough ask to to put a player out of position. I mean, you can kind of count. I'd say he's more of a centre built as a centre back than a right back. I'm sure many people would agree with that. And so you've put him out of position against the best team in the world, probably. I mean, top three, but I'd probably say they're the best team in the world after what they did to us. Um, so I would have started Trent, um, cause well, their left back and well, their left side's probably their biggest strength and their biggest weakness. I think we touched this on the actual preview about Alba's such a big outlet, but he does love getting forward and Trent, he, he could counter, he could counter act on that, um, himself. So I think the fact we had Gomez there, we didn't have a threat from deep on the right-hand side, so it, it just meant they could just continue piling it on. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was really surprised Trent actually didn't come on as a sub. I think he could have been one who you could have actually impacted the game, um, especially when they changed shape as well. But, um, yeah, I think we kind of... Well, I, I think we did the preview before the murmurings of this Bobby Firmino injury didn't we? Um, that's yeah, it's right. Yeah, it, it mm. was that that kind of broke at the weekend, didn't it? Which was after we'd recorded the uh, the preview for the first leg. Yeah, so I think we were kind of expecting Firmino as that. Well, probably a false nine rather than a ten, and we kind of expected the uh, the diamond because it it would have worked well our pace up against their kind of slowish backline or the the quick one gets forward quite a lot. Whereas we obviously had Ginny. He was probably more of a false nine than the ten as well, and he certainly kept getting forward quite a lot in the first half. Especially, I think he dropped a bit deeper in the second half before. He, well, somehow he played quite a lot of the second half without getting subbed. And for me, I can kind of understand why you'd pick Ginny to be the false nine because he's good at controlling the space and all that jazz. But he does not like having the ball at his feet. We've seen this in midfield, and. If you can go, if you can get less touches than a goalkeeper, quite regularly, probably less, very much less so this season, I imagine. But last season, there was a lot of games where Ginny was getting less touches than Carrius and Minula, and you can't trust him to be the fulcrum of our system because that's what the false nine or striker is. He's the person who links the midfield to the attack. I mean, Cater kind of handles. Um, has brought another element to that, I suppose. But as soon as Cater went off, there was a lot more pressure on Ginny to get involved with the ball play. And as soon as Kato went off, I thought Ginny just became null and void, really. So I can understand why he started there, but as soon as Kato went off, I, I think we needed something else. And I, I'm kind of surprised. Well, I know Sturridge wasn't on the bench, but whether it would would have been Sturridge or Origi, I thought they, they would have came on um, early in the second half and it, obviously Origi was the one on the bench so I thought we could have reacted quicker in bringing um, Ginny off because as soon as the pressure went up on him to perform I thought he just, I don't want to say go hiding because I think that's aiming at him personally but he, he just he just could not get involved in the game No, I, I don't think it was a, a position that really suited him I, I know it's hindsight but perhaps it w- would have made more sense just to move Ginny into midfield when Naby went off, and yeah. and and for for what we were asking Ginny to do, we might as well have brought Origi on and at least be a threat in behind with physicality and pace. Uh, than than Ginny just caught, sort of caught in no man's land, but yeah. um, 
you know, I suppose this is all hindsight and whatnot. But um, Sam, coming back to yourself then, the second half, again, we started, I thought we started well. And the change this time for me was was Barcelona reacting to how positively we were playing and how on top we are. Then the fans were getting restless. They changed their shape. They went to a 4-4-2 with Semedo coming on and having two right backs on that side of the pitch. And it just seemed to nullify all that space that we were attacking and making the most of. And we didn't seem to be able to deal with it and we didn't react and and I think really that was pretty much the game gone before we get into the, the whole missed chances. Yeah, um, obviously at 1-0, it was clear that we had grasped control of the game and, and that's why they ended up making that change. Um, I thought we were still in control of it right up until their incredibly fortuitous goal, to, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Andy, I thought, we were playing really well at that point. We were controlling the game. We were creating chances for fun and missing chances for fun, for that matter. Um, and then the moment of good fortune came along. Um, you know, Messi picks the ball up. And I think we panicked massively when he had the ball at his feet. And you can understand it because he is the best player of all time, quite possibly. Uh, but so gets the wrong side of Fabinho and he makes a great tackle to be fair to him sliding in but the problem with the tackle was it it ended up as a really good through ball and you know it ended up breaking to Suarez who just kneaded onto the crossbar and then so that if that wasn't fluky enough it then drops to Messi with an open goal so um, once that happened you, you could see our whole team just was deflated instantly and Barcelona very much smelt blood at that point. And I think there was those two sh- uh, turning points in this game. The one you rightly pointed out earlier with Keita, I think we we had a big drop-off as soon as that happened with him coming off. We regathered ourselves at half-time and then came back into the second half as a better side right up until that point where Messi gets the second goal. And I think at that point then, head seriously dropped and Barcelona really did, you know, they could smell blood. And to give them full, full credit, they really did go for the jugular at that point, and they took advantage. Mm, they certainly did. I mean, let, let's get into the missed chances then, because, yeah, as you said, look, the, the first goal, for all we can talk about, the defending from, from Virgil and from um, from Gomez and from Henderson out the right, not closing down quickly enough, Virgil not tracking the runner. I think, look, it's a superb textbook run, a brilliantly, brilliantly timed by Suarez and, and an excellent pass and excellent finish. Sometimes you, you're just undone by brilliance. The second goal, as you've mentioned, Sam, look fortuitous. There's a lot of good fortune in it for them and, and that can happen. The third goal is just sheer brilliance and, and that's Lionel Messi. But um, come to you, Guy, we had our own chances uh, and there was three chances that stand out for me. There was the Sadio Mane one, uh, first half, left um, left foot stretching a bit. Had it been on his right foot, I, I'm sure it would have been finished. Um, then there's the Milner one that he smashes straight at to Stegen, and and then we've got the the Mo Salah one where he inexplicably hits the post where he has to finish. Um, uh, one at least one away goal that we should have had, and we'd have come we we would have been coming away from this game 
with things looking totally different and feeling totally different. Yeah, I mean, if we scored one, you, you could kind of feel that not a sense of optimism in the tie, but a sense of possibility in the tie. Whereas at 3 0, I think the majority of the fan base is, well, you just kind of got to be realistic, haven't you? I know, I know, real, uh, I know Barca screwed up a, a free goal lead last year, but I just can't, you just can't see us keeping a clean sheet with that with Messi kicking about, and that means we'd have to score five. Um, but yeah, in terms of our chances, I mean, the Mane one's probably a difficult one. I mean, a player of his quality would possibly expect to score it, but it's the <laughs> it's the least forgivable, probably, out of the ones. I mean, there's even other ones you've mentioned. Ginny had one where Henderson tried to do a weird back heel thing. I think Henderson had a header as well. It just, there was so many more, but the more Salah one... I was trying to be kind with him, but I've seen it back since. I thought he was trying to be overly precise because Alba was on on the um, on the line covering the corner quite well. But he he's he's to the ball before they're in position. I think and he 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 should just try and be getting it on target. And the fact that he hits the post, he's just trying to. I think he's just trying to be too precise and and panicked. And I'd probably say the Milner one's worse because he has so like he can he can see it coming. Whereas with the Salah one. Um, I, you can kind of think he, he he's in a bit of a panicky situation there, but with Milner, all he has to do is put it a foot either way of the goalkeeper, and he has time. He can see it coming. It's not. It's coming towards him. It's not on his weak foot or anything like that. And it, I, he puts it perfectly into the goalkeeper's hands. So it's ah, uh, it's genuinely baffling how we haven't scored in this game. Um, and the two worst chances there that I mentioned, just how we've not got one goal between them two chances especially is just baffling and um yeah we we created enough to score two goals if not three goals um we got in a lot of positions and our final ball was quite poor throughout i mean robertson had a really good game defensively attacking wise not that great sadio mane and more salah brilliant until he put them in the box, then they were crap. Um, Ginny Van Alden, as we mentioned, didn't really get involved. And the midfield never really looked like scoring. I mean, it's just a shame the chances, the, the probably the big chance fell to uh, Milner, who's, in, unless it's a penalty, he's not really that prolific. So um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a shame it fell to him. I mean, I can't really give the same argument to Moore because that's who you'd want it to fall to. But yeah. It it's just baffling. I think that's just how football works at times. You can create as many chances as you want. And it's just weird how your big players have let you down, I suppose. I mean, I think you're you're in the writers group, Andy, and you were not an argument, but you're having a discussion about Virgil being one of the ones letting us down and you could probably say the big players were the ones who kinda of let us down more. Mane didn't really score. Um Milner's not really a big player, but Virgil was quite poor for the first goal, I suppose, and um yeah, um, the the ones you probably ex- don't expect to step up did. I mean, Matip was brilliant, but um, our three or three of our four world class players didn't really turn up, I suppose. Or step up. Mm, step ups probably yeah. better term. Yeah, I'd, well, I, I think they had the moments, but um, Sam. So look, some big chances there that we've not converted, and looking ahead to things, then it's. That is a real difference maker, isn't it? When we're looking at Tuesday night, is that lack of an away goal? Uh, because we talk about last season, Roma they lost four one in 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 Barcelona. Then they went 
back to Rome and and won three nil and went on went through on the away goals, and and that is the difference of that away goal, isn't it? It just makes such a difference to the tie. Uh, it's it just heartbreaking not to not to have converted one of them chances and, and then and really give us something to uh, to cling on to into this second leg. Yeah, it's it's not for the one to trying, is it? As you said, it's unbelievable how many chances we actually carved out when you do kind of jot them down. You you start realizing just how mad it is that we've come away with with a zero after our name. Uh, I think guys a bit harsh on Milner there. I think Salah's chance had to be the easier one of the two. Uh, with no goalie and the players on the ground and an open goal, you know. But um, I, I agree. And um, Milner definitely should have done better on his chance as well when he hit it straight down the middle, you know, either side and it's a goal. But, uh, you know, it, it's gone now. You know, Manny's chance on his left peg, I think he was stretching quite a lot. It was a brilliant ball by Henderson, but it, it was really out of his reach. So it would have been a great finish if he did manage to keep it down and score. But, you know, nonetheless, it is a chance one-on-one with a goalkeeper. So, yeah, really disappointed with that. And I went into the game convinced we're going to get an away goal. And to be perfectly honest, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the tactics after the game because the result is 3-0. But to be fair, those tactics created those chances. And on any other day, you know, nine times out of ten, we'd be leaving there with a minimum of one goal, maybe even two or three. So it's it's just... Everything went wrong uh, that, that possibly could, apart from maybe Dembele missing his chance at the end to make it 4 0. That's the only way it could have gone any worse for us, you know. Everything went their way, we missed everything, and it's a bloody disaster. Um, and you touch on Roma there now last season, they obviously managed to come back, but as you said, was it 4 1, wasn't it, in the first leg? It so was 4 1, and then they won 3 0 at home. Yeah, so they managed to get that vital away goal. Um, that is obviously key. You know, we're still a three-goal deficit, but we're going in with zero away goals. So it leaves us with absolutely no margin for error whatsoever. Uh, you know, if we get us 3-0, we're only going into extra time. So it's it's a huge ask. And, you know, you could argue... Roma did it to them last season, so you never know it is possible. And, and you know, we, we've made amazing comebacks in the past, so it is something that we are well known for. And Anfield is a special place on a European night. So, you know, you can't write it off. But the, the other hand, you could look at it and say, look, Barcelona had that feeling last season where they blew it, and they're going to be working 10 times harder this season to make sure they don't have that feeling again. So I've got a horrible feeling that Barca are going to be coming into this game very much kind of sitting back and, and trying to hit us on the break. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in some of the pace merchants for the next game just to try and hit us on the break. You know, we well, then barely came off. Yeah. He's a he's a good example. But just on that, I mean, we 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 spoke of you know their switch to four four two and Semedo came over onto the right. Um, we, it's very possible that we could see Samedo start on that side of the pitch and Dembele on the other. And like you say, look to hit us on the counter-attack and start with that 4-4-2. Now, we've already seen it. We know what it looks like. So we've got the opportunity to um, prepare ourselves for that and, and look to work around it. So, you know, 
how do how do we you know how do we get around that um we we kick them <laughs> uh, <laughs> we did try that a few times <laughs> well to be fair right barcelona to give them credit they were a hell of a lot more gnarly than i expected them to be um and i don't know whether that's because the referee let them get away with absolute murder in this game but they kicked the crap out of our players. They were getting away with loads of fouls. They were diving all over the place, rolling around, play acting, trying to get players booked. You know, I didn't expect that level of bastardry from Barcelona. Um, you know, obviously we expected from Suarez, but we were seeing it from Messi. Um, Vidal was chucking in diving tackles that I've only seen from Alberto Moreno before. Um, it, it was a bit bonkers. So. I, I, I must give them credit, though. It's something that, you know, they were showed a hell of a lot more steel than I thought they had. And I thought we might be able to boss them in that sense. And they very much did a job on us in that element. And they, you know, used the dark arts to their advantage in a home match. Um, in our match, what are we going to be able to do to stop that potential on the counter-attack? I don't think we can do a lot about it, Andy. I think we've got to just go for it because it's it's 3-0. We can't be conservative. We can't be holding players back worrying about the counter-attack because we need goals. So, uh, you know, we, we don't want to go too gung-ho and end up conceding an early goal and, and just burying ourselves before it even began. Yeah, I, I think there's a good point in that because we did look ragged. You mentioned that Dembele chance at the end of the game. There was another as well just before it. We, we'd yeah. gone very ragged. I mean, Klopp yeah. calling for Alisson to go up for a corner, and I'm thinking, no, you know, it's 3-0. Don't don't risk it being even yeah. worse. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were a bit ragged, so, we yeah, that's the thing is we, we, we've got to be, I think we've got to be more composed than we were at the end of that game and be prepared for, for them counter-attacks. Yeah, well, as you said, we were clearly, clearly rattled when Messi put that third in, which was unbelievable. You know, we two 0 We were like, right, we've had a nightmare, but we know we can bring that back. And then Messi just struck while the iron was hot, saw the opportunity, and really buried us with that third goal. And you could see heads went massively, and we really started a panic because we then thought, right, we've got to get that away goal. And after Salah missed his chance, we were making some crazy decisions when we were going up for corners. We I've never seen so many corners of our own ending up in near guilt edge chances for the opposition in one game. It was clean off. But, you know, I suppose it was desperation at the time. We knew 3-0 were, were more than likely out. So I think we we rolled the dice a bit there and very nearly got punished. So it's it's something we can't afford to do at all in the home leg. I think, you know, there's no two ways about it. We're going to have to be brilliant on Anfield and we're going to have to be a bit lucky as well to get away with not conceding a goal with, with the quality that they possess in their side. But, you know, you never know. Football is a funny thing. Pressure can do funny things to teams. Anfield can do funny things to teams. And if we can get an early goal, you just never know. Yeah, you do never know. Uh, Guy, so if we are to come back and get an early goal, um, who's going to be key to this? Do, do we absolutely need to have Bobby back in the team? Uh, and you think it's we, we it's essential that we play Trent at right back? Because I, I do feel that we missed him on the ball in possession. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
completely forgot about Trentner for a minute, but yeah, you do. He is absolutely key. I think he's just key in general. I think he's kind of. I think he's been kind of overlooked this season of how important he is. I know he's had a couple dodgy games at, um, defensively and stuff like that, but but in terms of build up play, I mean, you can just you can tell instantly when he's not there because I, I love Gomez, but he, as I mentioned earlier, he's definitely a centre back. He's he's a very good passer, but Trent is just different levels in terms of playmaking and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a very it's a very good point. Um about Trent. Um Bobby as well. Um you kind of just answered the question there, Andy. <laughs> you just stole both answers. But no, I think you gotta expand it to the complete front three. If if them three are together, I think we mentioned it on Red's review the other day, Andy. They they're starting to click together as a unit now. I think throughout the season we've kind of had one, maybe two of them playing well at a time. But in recent times, this is probably the first time all three of them have actually played well as a unit. And if you take one of them out, it changes the complete system. And we've seen that in two games now. Sturridge tried his best. Ginny, well, he just looked out. He just looked like a fish out of water. Um, but no, you, you, you need that three as a unit. Um, and that can terrorise any any team in, in, um, in the world, really. Um, Midfield will be interesting with Cater um, apparently out for the whole season or the rest of the season, which isn't that long actually. But is it too soon to start Oxley Chamberlain? Do you think the fa- is it too soon and too much of a big ask to to put him in there and and hope that he can kind of replicate that carrying the ball and driving at an opponent? The fact he wasn't on the bench for me screams no. Because I mean, if he he that's a type of player I imagine Spanish teams don't see a lot of. I mean, I'm not I'm no big viewer of La Liga, but someone who's a bit direct and and dribbles with the ball, I imagine that's not a big La Liga trait. Um, so if it would make perfect sense if if Ox was there, that he would have been on the bench. So I'd I'd assume no. I mean, what what did he get against Huddersfield? Twenty five minutes, thirty minutes. Um. I mean, maybe the weekend will answer a lot of these questions. Um, but yeah, I, I'd assume not to start in, in such a big tie because, I mean, you live, we're living on a, a, a wing and a prayer anyway in terms of 3-0. I don't see why we should risk Ox long-term Liverpool future for one game where we're already 3-0 down. Um, yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah. So do you think Fabinho... Um, Vinaldum and Henderson is is the trio we're likely to see in midfield. Then, if if Kate, if we're to assume Kate, Kate is going to be missing, um, that's all we've got, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see Milner, cause well, he he wasn't very good there. <laughs> Let's be honest, he wasn't very good against them there, and yeah, I, I don't I don't see what he'd bring to the team in in such a big game, so. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the shape's more important than the personnel, I suppose, because if, if it's only between them three, we're not going to play Shakiri because he's not really an option anymore, seemingly. So if it's between them three, maybe we play Henderson as a 10 or Ginny as a 10 either way and then go back to a 4-2-3-1. It's the only difference I can really see. But, yeah, I think it'll be them three. I mean, Fabinho was one of the better players for us, in my opinion, so I think he must play... Ginny back in midfield, I think we mentioned on the previous preview, he controls space well, so hopefully he allows a platform for others to attack, I suppose. And Henderson, bit of a mixed game coming on. 
Um, but he did create some of our best chances. Missed a couple chances as well, maybe a bit lapsed um, defensively at times, but he, he certainly had an impact, whether it was good or bad in the game. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that three. Um, but here's a question for you two. If, big if, very big if, if Man City dropped points and we beat Newcastle, obviously, would you just screw off the second leg? It's not the Klopp. <laughs> Klopp obviously wouldn't, but would you? I Do you want to go first, Andy? <laughs> no, you go for I, that because I'm not sure how to answer it. <laughs> uh, absolutely not for the one reason that we're playing on Tuesday, aren't we? And then there's not a game until Sunday. So we've got enough of a gap there to fully recover the lads. You know, we've got four full days gap before the, the weekend game. So... Um, I, I I get what you say, mate, and and it is we have got wolves to be fair, so they they've been playing really well recently. So in that, it's a tough decision, isn't it? Can you imagine he did it? It'd be hilarious if he had the Brewster Brewster in a Champions League semi final. Brewster even more hilarious if they come back from the field. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with Sam. I get what you're saying, but yeah, I think it's you just can't, you just can't do it. Not in, not in them circumstances. No, it's, it's too big, mate. You know, even yeah. though it's looking grim, you can't just throw in the towel. And no, Champions League. This is the biggest competition in the world. This is what Mo Salah is desperate to win. You could see him yesterday. And my heart broke for him because he's been excellent again this season. And I thought he was actually electric again yesterday on occasion. Uh, in the first half especially, he was looking yeah. so, so sharp. And for him to miss that guilt-edge chance, he was looking sick as a dog. And he, he really did look like he just wanted the ground to swallow him whole. Because you can see how desperate he is to win this trophy. And to have it so cruelly taken away from him last season with that injury, he's going to be desperate. So. You know, it it's something that I might do on Football Manager or something, or, <laughs> you know, or FIFA just to make sure that you win the league. But in reality, you just you just can't throw it away, can you? It's just too bloody big. Yeah, uh, that's very true. I, I mean, look, Klopp revels in in being the underdog and underdog situations. There's certainly not going to be any more of an underdog situation than this. Um, final points we'll get on to, you know, the, the atmosphere then. I, I mean, we can expect it to be electric uh, and something else. You know, we, we we saw fans aghast and um, vent in fury at the fact that um, not only did Suarez celebrate, but uh, he was gnarly around our players and whatnot. He was, uh, Luis Suarez was being Luis Suarez shocker. Um, so I know there's been no love lost there with uh, with Liverpool fans towards Coutinho in the way that he left, but there seemed to be still a lot of um, a lot of fans had a soft spot still for Luis Suarez, and that seems to have um, dampened away. Sam, do you think that will be a part of this kind of cauldron? Then that everything that's happened, everyone, everything that everyone's seen, that there'll be no soft spot, there'll no no niceties. It's going to be a cauldron of noise. And the we we're gonna we're gonna go for it, um, and and maybe maybe just maybe that this this atmosphere could inspire our team. That's what I'm hoping. Um, I, I totally with you. You know, we had a brief chat before the pod started about the the bizarre outrage with Suarez. I think, uh, as we touched on at the time, I was saying 
you know, maybe a lot of it is just anger at the result, and we're just trying to find things to argue about, um, pick fights. You know, as you said, it was absolutely no surprise that A, Suarez was brilliant and scored a brilliant goal. B, was an absolute bastard for 90 minutes. And C, you know, was rolling around the place, trying to get people carded, just, just doing all of the things that would piss you off. And he also celebrated his goal. I have no problem with any of those things. They were all things that made him a great player for us and made him hated by every other team in the Premier League. So, as you said, mate, there was no surprise whatsoever there. Um, it's something that hopefully, as you said now, there's still a lot of love for Suarez there because of the, you know, the good times that he did bring to Liverpool in 13-14. But... Hopefully now that's all dead and buried and it'll be nothing. You know, we're not rolling out the red carpet for this Barcelona side. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of people saying, oh, they were looking forward to seeing Messi. Uh, I was not looking forward to seeing Messi. I was hoping he was going to be injured for the game and miss it. <laughs> I was not looking forward to see that guy play against us because he's unreal. And, uh, I li- you know, I liked your touch earlier saying about, um, you said mentioned that Trev had said that he was a FIFA player. Um, it, it's exactly that, mate. It's, he's unbelievable. So I don't want any of that when they come into Anfield. They're coming at Anfield and it's going to be a cauldron of noise and we're going to try and shit them up. And I think that's our only option to have any chance. You know, we've got such a slim chance of going through now. So it's going to have to be something really, really early to give, you know, to try and tip the, the balance in our favour. So, uh, as as we've said, it's very unlikely, but if we can get it right in the first ten minutes, we might be able to, you know, shake them up a bit and and see where we end up. Yeah, I Sam, I had <laughs> I admire your Barcelona levels of snide there. I hope Messi's injured. I like it. <laughs> so let's let's wrap things up then, guy. Uh, match predictions then. Um, can can Liverpool do it? And if they can't do it, can they get somewhere close to it? Um, I think we'll win two one. Oh God, no! I'm like, actually, no. I'll go two all. I think we'll get like two one up, and then it'll panic, and then it'll just kind of descend into the, to madness and and so on. But I don't, I don't think we'll do it. I think if they get, I think if they get one, it'll end up being very panicky, or the complete opposite. If they get one, it'll end up just very boring. Mm, yeah, possibly. And and Sam, your match prediction then? Can Liverpool? Turn this around. Will they turn it around? Will they get close? Will they break our hearts again? I can't remember the last game where so many things are against us for us to have any chance of going through. Um, not only are we 3-0 down, but Barcelona have also already won their league. So they can just play You know, on the weekend. They can play whoever they want, rest all their best players and be 100% fresh for the second leg. Liverpool, on the other hand, are clinging on to hope of Man City slipping up. So they have to play their absolute best side against Newcastle on the weekend. So we're going to have a very short turnaround then for uh, the second leg as well. So it's it's a bloody huge ask. You know, my, my head's saying that we will, um, you know, turn up on the day and put in a hell of a fight. Probably win the game on the day, but... You know the likelihood is that we're we're gonna fall short, um, but I had a strange. Usually when Liverpool lose, right, I'm really angry or disappointed and pissed off, 
But after this game, I was I was weirdly like not thinking it's over, and I have no idea why. It's probably totally misplaced hope because we've been so bloody good in the Champions League over the last two seasons that I I'm not giving up on it. So you know, even though my head's saying we'll we'll go out valiantly with a with a victory, but not enough. My my heart's very much on the side of we're gonna bloody go there and beat them five one. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, that's it, guys. Um, my, my thanks to uh, to Sam and to Guy for for the show for doing both these uh, Champions League semi final second uh, both these uh, Champions League semi final previews and uh, my thanks to to you the listener for for tuning in and listening to uh, to these podcasts throughout this season. And I say this to you, not just because of superstition, but also because as things stand, look, um, this will be the final Champions League preview show of the season. But but because this is Liverpool Football Club, you just you just never know. Uh, and when it comes to overturning seemingly hopeless situations, we do have some history in this. Um, Senetien, 1977, nobody expected that comeback. Half-time in Istanbul 2005, we were 3-0 down against the best team in Europe. We seemed down, we were out, but we came back. Nobody expected that. Three years ago, 3-1 down at home to Dortmund in the Europa League. We looked down, we looked out, we came back. Nobody expected that. And Barcelona, well, they're an excellent team. They've got Lionel Messi, for God's sake. And it looks like an insurmountable task. We definitely have a hill to climb, but maybe it's time for this time for this team to enter folklore by staging the greatest ever European night at Anfield. So who knows, Reds? Who knows? We might just come back this time, and we might be back with this show for one more for this season. So here's hoping. So from me, Andy Wales, it's bye bye now and a lay a lay a lay. Network.